Amen. You guys can go ahead and find your seat. You guys just sang worship songs. You guys just gathered together to sing songs to Jesus, to our Father. And I just want to remind you guys something. A lot of times when I, growing up in the church, I used to think of worship as, as primarily being about singing, right? I see these lyrics on a screen, and I begin to just read them, and I sing them aloud, and maybe I'll close my eyes, maybe I'll lift my hands. The truth is about worship is that those words on the screen are true. That everything that is on that screen is found in Scripture, in the Word of God. And not only is it true, we, our lives, should actually reflect the truths that are on that screen. And so worship, for you guys, a lot of times it's condensed into, you know, 20 minutes before a youth group or 20 minutes before a church service. But the truth is, is that worship is the way that we live our lives. And so for a lot of us, we need to redefine what worship means. Because for a lot of us, we might be singing words on a screen. And we might be getting feelings because, because the, the music sounds good. But the truth is, is if our lives are not matching up with what we're singing, we're saying, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. But if we go down this hill and our lives don't declare that truth, then what do our words mean? Then what are our voices actually truly mean? And I don't just to say, I don't say that just to stifle you guys, when you guys are coming into this place and worshiping the Lord. But I'm saying that as an honest and genuine concern. Do we really believe the words that we sing? Do we really believe the truths that are placed up on the screens? And for my life, and I'm just being honest, growing up, I don't, I'm not sure that I did. I'm not sure that I actually truly meant what I said and sang. And I was a worship leader for six years. And so I want to challenge you guys with that this morning. And I know I came out a little serious, so I'm sorry about that. But, hey, I think this is important. Finish this movie quote for me, okay? Finish this movie quote. With great power comes... With great power comes... That is right. How many of you guys seen the new Spider-Man movie? Rest in peace. Aunt May, rest in peace. Well, hey, I got a, I got a hot take for you guys. I'm just going to be really honest right here. Um, the last movie was awesome. Thought it was great. I don't want to ruin it for anybody uh, in here. But uh, basically, I'm just going to go out and say it. Tobey Maguire is the best Spider-Man there is. Spider-Man. And there's all these types of arguments like, oh, he's the best Spider-Man, but, but Tom Holland, he's the best Peter Parker. I'm like, what is the difference there? And not only that, Green Goblin, greatest superhero villain of all time, and William Defoe. And we learned that as we watched that last, that last movie. Um, no, with great power comes great responsibility. And... I'm not going to over-spiritualize that, that movie quote because I think it, I mean, it's kind of cheesy, right? And that's what God has for us. But listen, the truth is, is that as believers, and some of you guys 
maybe have come here and you've never heard the gospel before, but for some of us, we, we proclaim Jesus Christ. We proclaim to follow him. For a lot of us believers, um, we don't really take the idea that we've been given the highest responsibility in sharing the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel that saves dead sinners and that brings people back to life. And today, I'm actually, I'm going to be talking about missions today. Missions. And a lot of times, for you guys in the church, you guys kind of understand what that word means, missions. Oftentimes, we think of global missions. We think of going overseas and sharing the gospel with, with people in Africa and people in Indonesia and people in places that, that have no access to the word of God. But the truth is, is that missions isn't limited to global missions because missions is actually... Its, its primary drive is found in the word of God, and it's found in Matthew 28, 19. If you guys have your Bibles, would you guys open up to Matthew 28, 19 for me? This is right after the resurrection of Jesus, and he's with his disciples, and he's giving them a command. He's not giving them a suggestion. He's not telling them, hey, maybe you should, you should do this. Maybe, maybe you should go uh, and share the gospel of people because, you know, you want people to be saved. He's commanding them to go and share the gospel. This is what it says in verse 19. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to deserve all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to hop right into what this is talking about. Dear Lord, God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful that it is clear and that we can rely on it in knowing truth. And God, I pray that this morning that you would speak through me. Um, God, that these words are not mine, but they're found in your word. And God, I'm thankful for these students. Lord, I pray that you would change their lives this weekend. If they don't know you, I pray that they would come to know you for who you really are. And we know that when we read scripture. We love you, and in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There's a lot of misconceptions about missions um, in our church. There's a lot of misconceptions about what we think the definition of missions is, um, what, what, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to sell everything and move to a foreign country and share the gospel? The truth is, it's very clear that missions and a heart for missions is to be had by every single believer that professes Christ. And here's what I mean. Oftentimes you see missionaries and you think that sharing the gospel is for a certain group of people that are called overseas. But that's not true. If you read this verse right here, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe. Where do you make disciples? Where do you where do you baptize? Where do you teach? All these things, yes, everywhere, but all these things happen at the local church. We teach, we baptize those who have professed their faith in Christ, and we disciple those that are new believers that are growing up in a world that is growing more and more dark. This happens at the local church, and I just, I want to remind you guys that your local church, the church, the global church, 
and the individual church is the only plan of redemption for humanity. God is using the church to save lost sinners. The church is supposed to be a place that proclaims who God is week in and week out. And I'd ask you, before you even think, maybe I'm called to missions. Maybe I'm called overseas. I'd first stop and ask the question, man, am I making an impact in my community at home? Am I involved in my church? Am I inviting friends and family members to church? Not just a youth group, but to church. Is this a part of my life? Is the church my life? Because when you read the Bible, when you read the book of Acts, when you even read the later half of the book of Matthew, you realize the church is supposed to be everything to the believer. It's where you find community. It's where you find Bible teaching. It's where you find the worship and the congregational worship of God. And so for us, a lot of times when we think of missions, it's a really cool idea because we get to go across the country. We get to travel, post on our Instagram, look where I am, super sick. Um, But the reality is, is that sharing the gospel in a foreign country isn't going to be any easier than sharing a gospel in your own backyard. I think the second assumption we make about, about missions is this is that we live in America, and America oftentimes is referred to as a Christian country. And we assume that, that most people around us in, in the U.S. has heard the gospel, that they've heard the gospel, that, that they kind of know what it means, Jesus Christ died for my sins. But the, the reality is, that's not the case. Most people, when you ask them, hey, what what does the gospel mean? What is the gospel? They might say, well, be a good person. Like, Jesus Christ died, came to earth so that I could be be a good person. Or or maybe it's it's Jesus loves you, and that's it. But the truth of the, the matter is that the gospel is so much more, to, more than that. Romans 1 says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And oftentimes, I think in this world, we pick and choose. You have people in the U.S., in Western Christianity, they pick and choose what they want to, to, to keep about the gospel. Well, I like this part of the gospel. I like that Jesus loves me, and so he sent his son to die for me. What about the part where if you actually don't surrender your life to Christ, you're under condemnation? That if you do not know Christ, you are headed for eternity apart from him in a place called hell. And oftentimes when you share that with people who like to pick and choose what they like about the gospel, they maybe get offended, just like what Chris was talking about last night, right? And so for us, the challenge is to recognize is that everyone around us in our schools, they might not be Christians, but we also can't assume that they've already heard the gospel before. And the second, and I think the third misconception is this, that if I just live a good life, that, that if I'm just a good person to people, if I'm really nice, if I'm, if I'm helping people out, if I help the grandma across the street, people will look at me and say, man, I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. And the truth is, is that that couldn't be farther from the truth. Yes, we are to live lives, holy lives, lives that, that point to Jesus Christ, lives that imitate Jesus Christ. But we are to speak the truth. And we are actually to use our words in communicating 
the gospel. You guys turn with me um, over to Matthew 14. Matthew 5, sorry. Chapter 5, verse 14. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Here's what it says. Verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people, sorry, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and to give light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And the truth of the matter is right here, what is Jesus saying? The word that he used for you there doesn't necessarily mean a group of people, the church. He's not saying you, Hume Lake, as an as a, as entire entirety, as a total. He's not saying you as a group of people. He's actually saying you, you, whatever your name is, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill, a world that is in darkness, and without the light, it will remain in darkness. People that do not know Jesus don't know what the truth is. They don't have reference to the truth. And so oftentimes the church will look at the world and we'll talk about how evil they are. We'll talk about how, how, how they don't they, they don't follow or honor God, but the truth is, is that they're in darkness. And how can we say that to them if we haven't shared the good news with them? Your friend that goes and lives however that he or she may want to live, does whatever that they may want to do, instead of judging them, realize that they actually truly do not know the Lord. And that as a believer, It is no one else's responsibility but you to be a light in their life. And so I pray this is a challenge for you guys. I pray that you guys would take this to heart. That when we talk about global missions, that's a great thing. It's amazing. And I never want to harp on global missions because we need them. Because there are people in this world, there are groups of people that actually don't have access to the word of God. That actually have never been, uh, they don't have access to the gospel. Or their churches are failing miserably. Or just in a, in a really tough place. Or they're being persecuted. Global missions is so important. But for a group of high schoolers, and I don't want to say that you can't do global missions. What's so, so important that you realize that your life in another country is going to look the same that, as your life here in the United States where you have all that you need. And so I want to challenge you guys with that. It's not going to be easier to share the gospel with people across the world than it is here. Romans 10 talks about How will they know if they are not told? How will they know, those that do not know Jesus Christ, how will they know if a preacher does not go and preach? They won't. It's a hypothetical question. They will not know. Doesn't matter how good of a person they might seem. It doesn't matter if they go even 
Maybe they've gone to church once or twice in their lives. It doesn't matter if their parents are Christians. It doesn't matter if, if they grew up in the church. They will not know the truth unless someone truly tells them. And that responsibility is ours. You are made for more than just going to youth group on Tuesdays and going to church youth group on Sundays and living in your Christian bubble. Church is so important. I just emphasize the fact that, that these things happen at our local church and, and I encouraged you to be involved in your local church. But the truth is, is that you were made to share the gospel. You were made to shine. And oftentimes our churches act more like they're under a basket than they are truly a light in this world. So I want to challenge you guys with that. As you guys go home, make an impact in your communities. Start at home. Call each other out. Gather together around each other, around the word of God. Join your small group. Learn, grow. But not only that, put that learning and that understanding of God's word into practice by going and preaching the gospel to those that do not know it. And you don't have to wait for an opportunity to do it. You are not the person that you're talking to that doesn't know the Lord, that doesn't know the gospel, or that, that maybe doesn't fully understand what it means to follow Christ. They're not going to surrender their life to Christ just because you were really clever or just because you had the amazing words to say. All you have to do is be faithful in preaching the gospel and the Holy Spirit hopefully would work in their lives and soften their hearts so that they may understand what it means to have eternal life. And that is my challenge to you guys as, as, as I speak on missions, on behalf of missions. And if some of you guys feel called to missions, called to global missions, I want to fan that flame. I think that's amazing. And I think that's awesome. But my first question is, what is your boldness, boldness like here at home? And so we're going to enter a time of prayer. Um, and I, you know, a lot of you guys might be sitting with your churches, but I want you guys to gather together um, as your youth group, as your church, um, and actually enter a time of prayer. And I want you guys to pray for two things. The first thing is this. I want you guys to pray for your, your church. And not only your church, but the community that your church is in. That you guys would be able to shine bright the light of the gospel in your community. And that you guys would be given boldness as a result. That you guys wouldn't have the, the fear of man, but that you would understand that God has called you to do this. So it's time. It's time to obey. And the second thing I want you guys to pray for, if any of you guys feel called to global missions, I ask that you guys would pray for that person and ask God to confirm it for them. And this is what I want to do. I want to go and make disciples in other nations. And I want to share the gospel with those that do not know the truth and that have no access to it either. And so we're going to enter a time of prayer. You guys can go ahead and group up. Um, find, your, find your youth pastors. Group up and enter a time of prayer. Also, if you guys want to break off into smaller groups, that's great too. If you guys just want to do it with your counselors, I encourage you guys to do that. After that, we're going to enter a time of worship. But go ahead and do that right now.